The following program is presented by the Far East Broadcasting Company because stories of people living out the gospel with their lives inspire all of us. FEBC, taking Christ to the world through radio and new media. Learn more at febctoday.org. One of the things that I've always been struck by from Peter's first letter is that we are chosen sojourners, but sojourning through this world. This world's not our home, but the next world is our home. And Peter lived that out. We'll focus on the life of the Apostle Peter next here on First Person. Welcome, I'm Wayne Shepherd. Our guest is Con Campbell, the host of a new docu-series on the life and times of Peter. We'll begin our conversation in a moment. Thank you so much for tuning in. If you're listening on radio, we're grateful for the many stations who now carry First Person, and I hope that you'll take the time to thank your station. A special thank you to the Far East Broadcasting Company for their support in making this program possible. Learn more about FEBC's mission of taking Christ to the world by radio and new media at firstpersoninterview.com. Again, that's firstpersoninterview.com. Dr. Con Campbell is a New Testament scholar who has teamed up with Our Daily Bread to produce the DVD series In Pursuit of Peter. How did Peter transform from an uneducated fisherman into one of the most beloved followers of Jesus? In the series, Peter's life unfolds through scripture, interviews, and on-location footage. As I began to talk with Dr. Campbell via Skype, we started with his academic life. I'm a professor of New Testament here at, at Trinity Evangelical Divinity School, which is part of the university. And I've been here for five years, so I, I really teach uh, throughout the New Testament, but especially uh, I teach Paul and uh, exegesis and Greek. Okay. Kind of. Well, yeah. I've introduced you as Dr. Con Campbell. Con stands for something. You'll have to tell me what that stands for. Does think church history. Uh, Constantine is oh, my all right. first name. And I'm named after my Greek grandfather. So it's a bit of a family name. I see. Okay. And you come from where? I come from the deep south, Australia. <laughs> deep, deep south. <laughs> Very deep south. Literally the other side of the planet. Uh-huh. So I've lived there my entire life until uh, moving here to Trinity five years ago. Well, um, I want to talk about you as a person, and we'll get to the story of Peter, because you've, uh, you've hosted a brand new docu-series, a video series on the life of Peter that I'm very excited about. We'll get to that in a moment, but I, I want to learn more about you. Sure. I understand that you're quite the jazz musician. Uh, yes, that's right. I, uh, my first uh, career path was in jazz performance. I play the, the saxophone, and uh, jazz was really everything for me. Um, but when I was at music school, kind of ironically, which is I, I just dreamed all through high school, I was dreaming of going to music school. That's all I ever wanted to do. I, all I did was practice the saxophone. I did no schoolwork in <laughs> high school. I finally got there, and then I became a Christian, and everything changed. <laughs> <laughs> so did you get a hunger for the word right away then? Well, it, it sort of happened through uh, – there was a church meeting at, at the university where I was studying – and I guess I was just interested. I'd never really heard the Bible before. I believed that God existed. I didn't really understand anything about Jesus. And uh, it was a Bible teaching church. And for the first time in my life, I heard the Bible being explained, being taught. And it just blew me away. Hmm. And I just kept going. And I was converted in that first year of music school. Yeah. Well, you must have taken something pretty seriously through the years to have your PhD and now teaching New Testament. 
Well, that's right. Yeah. So one thing led to another, and uh, after shortly after music school, I, um, you know, kind of began this ministry apprenticeship thing for a couple of years, trying to see whether full time vocational ministry was for me, and uh, yeah, that led to seminary, and um, uh, I I never really intended to become a professor. It was really not on my radar. I really just wanted to preach pastor maybe be a missionary mm-hmm. uh but um and i'd never done academic work seriously before because in high school i was just practicing the saxophone <laughs> and in music school i was just practicing the saxophone you know i wasn't i wasn't reading books or writing essays and so uh seminary was really my intellectual awakening you know i started reading theology and i was really into it and i loved the languages got really into those and that led to a, a PhD while I was working in pastoral work after seminary for a few years. And then the seminary where I trained at Moore College in Sydney uh, invited me to, to teach there. And so after three years in the doing pastoral work, uh, with my PhD in hand, I, I began teaching there. Okay. And I, I taught there for seven and a half years before coming to Trinity. Did your mom and dad support that along the way? Or did they think you dropped off the deep end? Uh, they did think I was dropping off the deep end a little bit, but they did support it. Yeah, they were uh, believers, but never really felt, never really thought that I would pursue ministry because jazz was such a all-encompassing part of my life. All they heard was that saxophone in the bedroom, huh? <laughs> right, exactly, trying to get me to stop practicing. Yeah. yeah. Well, I don't know if you know this, but you're in good company. Uh, I talked with J.I. Packer one time and asked him about his musical tastes. And yeah, early in, jazz. Uh, yes, yeah, I knew that. Yeah, yeah he yeah. told me that Jelly Roll Morton sends him. He said so. Oh, is that right? Yeah, <laughs> Jelly Roll. That's classic. Very, very early jazz. You, you probably have a much later uh, rendition of that uh, particular true, but genre. I have great respect for that early stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, what was the decision to come to America then? The longest story is uh, a colleague of mine at one point had just made an offhand comment. Said, "Oh, you know, probably one day you'll." you'll end up teaching in America someplace like Trinity. And I never, it honestly, it never crossed my mind. And I just thought it was interesting. And I went back home and said to my wife, you know, Greg said this, you know, what do you, what would you say if, if Trinity called up one day? And she said, well, you can move to America, but I'm staying here. <laughs> so I thought, well, that's never going to happen. And I never really entertained the thought. But then the funny thing happened, Trinity called. And so <laughs> I nearly said right away, sorry, it's never going to happen. I'm never going to come. Um, but uh, I told my wife what happened and, and and reminded her of our conversation a few years before, and she said, well, I didn't think they were actually going to call. Now that they've called, we have to think about it. <laughs> and so we thought about it, prayed about it, came over to interview and things like that and, and decided uh, to come. The, the main attraction, there are many attractive things about Trinity, but I think the, the really attractive thing was that um, it just has such an international impact. Mm. You know, the students from 50 countries here, and 120 PhD students who will go and teach in seminaries and lead their denominations all around the world. And their uh, alumni are doing that. And it just seems strategically so, you know, such a great opportunity. Yeah. So you can spread your influence around the world through those students then. Right. Exactly. Yeah. What, yeah. Talk, talk about the student of today. It's such a privilege teaching at Trinity. The students are just outstanding. I mean, they're highly motivated. They've left a career um, in order to serve the Lord full time uh, in a variety of capacities. Some want to go into the mission field, some want to go into academia, some want to go into pastoral church work. 
but they really uh, dedicated, work hard. So I, I don't think Trinity is a typical teaching experience. You know, I, I imagine in, you know, uh, maybe secular colleges, for example, it's a very different experience for, for professors. But I, I feel really privileged that it's, a, it's just so fun and they're just great people to be around. So Yeah. yeah. And, and your background as a musical artist, uh, that has to color the way you study, the way you approach, the way you teach, or, or does it? Uh, oh, it does very much, Yeah. Uh, I keep finding new things all the time where I realized I, I first learned this discipline or that way of thinking through music. You know, as a musician, as I'm sure you know, you, at a professional level, you have to be very uh, dedicated, regular practice every day, practicing scales, things like that. And, and a creative, it's a combination of creativity, but also technicality, especially with jazz and um, where you're improvising, but there's a really technical component to it. And, um, uh, I just really transferred all that straight into studying uh, at seminary. Learning languages was like learning scales for me. Hmm. And uh, doing theological work was like, it was creative, but but also technical. And, and sort of there are rules, there are boundaries, you know, the orthodoxy, uh, orthodox tradition, things like that, or the rules of New Testament scholarship, those sort of norms. It, so... And and then when I when I teach, I feel I'm I'm doing equal measure of improvisation, and um, and preparation. Or the technical aspect uh, enables me to to improv and riff. You know, if someone asks me a question, I can riff. You know, based on you know previous study that I've done. And and so yeah, I feel like it. But actually, the place where I feel it the most is preaching. Hmm. When I preach, um, I I really am jazz land right there i feel like because i've got a structure internalized but i improvise a lot yeah 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 i'm sure you don't intend to but it sounds so easy coming from you and you know a lot of people are listening right now and they really struggle with studying those languages or preaching and it seems to come so easy for you um i suppose it it has really i mean i've worked hard too in some ways it came easier to me than saxophone, which for me was an indication that maybe this, the Lord has wired me for this in a special way. Yeah. That's what we talk about a lot on first person is how the Lord wires us and how he calls us. So you, you deeply feel that you you're doing what God has called you to do. I do. I feel like it's a hand in glove kind of match. You know, I even feel like it's not really work except when I, you know, so I feel guilty about it. You should whisper fun. that, yeah. <laughs> Except when I have to grade papers, then it's work. <laughs> they pay me to grade. The rest I do, will do for free. So. <laughs> we'll continue learning about the life of Con Campbell and the life of the Apostle Peter coming up on First Person. When I first heard that good news on the FBCC station, I tried praying to Jesus for the first time. Life is difficult. But Christ is helping me see things differently. Just one of millions of grateful people who listens to the Far East Broadcasting Company in her own language. You can sign up for a free online daily devotional from FEBC telling more listener stories while at the same time it encourages you from God's Word. Receive this online devotional without obligation when you visit firstpersoninterview.com. My guest is Dr. Con Campbell of uh, Trinity Evangelical Divinity School and Trinity International University. And we're talking with him about his life story, but we're also talking about a new faith-based docu-series, a video series called In Pursuit of Peter, which has been produced by our friends at Our Daily Bread. And I'm very excited about this. I've only seen the trailer, Con, 
Okay. Uh, you host this series, so you got to tell me more about this this series on Peter. This looks fascinating. Well, oh, we just had such a magical time making this series. The in pursuit of is is kind of uh, I want to get to know Peter more from the inside. We all know Peter from the Gospels. We know him from Acts. But there's so many questions like, okay, who is this guy before we hear about him in the Gospels? Who is this guy after Acts stops talking? You know, what happens to Peter after that? And then you, th- you think about, you know, Peter's story, uh, and you would have seen this on the preview. You know, the, the, the fundamental question is, how does an uneducated fisherman <laughs> from a backwater region like Galilee right. go on to become – one of the most adored and revered figures in all of human history. We'd probably write him off if we met him as a fisherman, wouldn't we? Yeah, I mean, th- this is the extraordinary thing, that Jesus collected these disciples in Galilee, which is an unlikely place, away from Jerusalem, which is the spiritual hub of Israel. In every account, normal people um, doing normal jobs, and he collects them to himself, and they're all transformed. And I think Peter's transformation is one of the most remarkable. I mean, before this series, we did the Apostle Paul, and his his trans- transformation is also, as you know, remarkable. But with Peter, we really see that that transformation take place in stages, you know. We see it unfold. We see him misunderstand. We yeah. see him kind of reject things that Jesus says. Well, we see all of his foibles, don't we? We see his foibles and his follies. And and then we see him, of course, his low point where he he denies even knowing Jesus. Yeah. And and just when we when we really explore that moment, thinking about the fact that most likely Jesus is his closest friend in the world at this point. And they've just come from the Passover dinner where Peter said, I will go to death for you. And it's only a few hours later that he is running away, saving his skin, and then saying, I don't know the man, three times. And how Peter must have felt after that and, and how dejected and, and sorrowful to betray his friend. Yeah. Uh, but then how remarkable it is that after the resurrection, Jesus not only forgives him but restores him and even undoes his threefold denial with a threefold commission, feed my feed sheep, my feed, sheep. My, mm-hmm. feed my sheep. Um, so we – it was just a real joy to get into that, get into Peter's headspace. I, I, um, I, I actually say this on the on the film that I've always been a Paul guy naturally, and I feel <laughs> like I've always known Paul pretty well, you know. And I, I learned a lot about Paul when we did Paul, no doubt. But, but actually, the experience was the more I was in pursuit of Paul, the more distant I felt because I felt this guy's like a Superman. He's mm. like so unlike me. I, I just there's just a huge gap between us. Whereas with Peter, I felt, yeah, Peter's great. Of course, he's cool. But I, I never really felt super close to him. But, but actually being in pursuit of him, I felt much closer to him. And I felt like he's just like me. He's so relatable. Here's a guy who makes mistakes. And yet God can use him in, a, in extraordinary ways. And I just found that so encouraging. And I know the whole crew, we just found the whole thing very encouraging. Yeah, I was thinking about this, too. I was thinking about how the scriptures give us such emotional depth on Peter, don't they? I mean, we, we, we all sort of identify with Peter in a way that we don't identify with the other apostles. He's, I think, the most human account of the apostles. Of course, they're all human, but we just get this humanization of Peter. And I think one of the most extraordinary things to think about is that these stories about Peter, where, where really, looking back on them, he would be humiliated, where he, he looks like a fool a number of times. You know, think... Think the Mount of Transfiguration. You know, there's Jesus transfigured in, in in splendid glory, hanging out with Moses and Elijah. And Peter goes, "Hey, should I build you some tents?" You know, 
and and the text actually says because he didn't know what to say you know so, so peter when he doesn't know what to say he says something and it's something dumb you know but the the extraordinary thing is peter is the source for most of these stories you know scholars agree that peter is mark's main source and mark is the key source for both matthew and luke yes so these stories about peter come from peter yeah hasn't tried to he's, uh, he's vulnerable his, isn't he yeah right he's transparent it says a lot about his later maturity and humility because he recognizes that we going forward will learn from his mistakes hmm. i particularly love uh, john 21 post-resurrection jesus on the beach making breakfast and there's Peter again in the boat, and he he uh, script. I don't have the scripture in front of me, but he he puts on his outer clothing and jumps in the water. He jumps in. This so is the thing. It's yeah. like he it's like he plans to walk on the water at that point or something because he puts on his clothes. You know. <laughs> so. well, I just think you know it's classic Peter because he he realizes it's Jesus, and and for whatever his flaws are, he loves Jesus. Yeah. You know. Yeah. And he just jumps in. And swims to the shore. And I, I just think that's just such a beautiful picture. Huh. Well, you are uh, presenting it in this uh, new docu-series from Our Daily Bread, a video series in pursuit of Peter. What was your goal in producing this? You're, you're the host, so you, yeah. you have you have to buy into this. <laughs> when It's called In Pursuit of Peter, and it really is my pursuit of Peter. You know, I have an interest. I have a question. There's something I want to, you know, I want, I want to get into Peter's headspace. I want to feel like I inhabit Peter to an extent. And so this is personally my goal. But our goal for the series is that others may follow along, you know, and and get that sense of Peter, maybe for many people, a character they know well and love. But I think you will see things, uh, especially when you see them in context, in locations, and uh, in interactions with various people, various experts, and so on, that will bring certain elements to life that, that even the, the viewer who knows the Bible really well, I think we'll learn things, but but also the viewer who doesn't know the Bible well, maybe who's not even a, a believer yet, um, will find it interesting and uh, and compelling. It's a really compelling story. Just recently, I interviewed a young man uh, who was a uh, Muslim, and uh, Christian people had been witnessing to him, but it was when he watched a film on Netflix about John, from the book of John, Right. That yeah. he came to Christ at that moment. So who yeah. knows? You know, the Lord may have that in store for this series as well. That somewhere, somewhere along the line, somebody will come to Christ because of Peter's testimony today. So. You know? that. Yeah, that's right. So take us behind the scenes on the production. Where did you go? How did you go about doing it? It had to it had to take a while. It's it. By the way, the, I, I have seen the trailer. We'll put the link to the trailer on our website, and it's stunning. The video is stunning. Is I've come to expect from, you know, your executive producer, my friend Jeff Baxter there at Our Daily Bread. But take us behind the scenes and talk about the production. Yeah, it's really a beautiful production, sweeping shots. We've got a dedicated drone pilot on the team, actually an Israeli guy who uh, just does wonderful work. And you get these big panoramic shots. Um, uh, one of my favorites is actually in the Paul series where – I'm on a boat in the Mediterranean and the drone is a hundred meters up in the sky and you just see this blue water and this little boat and then it comes down to the boat and there I am on the boat talking. Oh you know? oh, wow. So yeah, we're, we're in Israel. Uh, the series begins in Galilee and we go to Bethsaida where Peter and his brother Andrew are from. We look at the Jordan River where he meets John the Baptist and where he meets Jesus for the first time. And uh, we're in Jerusalem as well uh, following Jesus 
um, up into Jerusalem and, and before that Caesarea Philippi and so on. Uh, then we go to, um, you know, after the resurrection, pouring out of the Spirit, Peter preaches outside the temple on the day of Pentecost. Uh, but then we go to uh, Joppa where he receives the vision from the Lord that, you know, take, kill, eat, you know, and this is this is uh, God telling uh, Peter, that the Gentiles are yep, going to be, right. he's sent for by the uh, centurion in, in uh, Caesarea. So we go to Caesarea as well. Acts sort of finishes with Peter in Acts 15. We don't hear about him again after that. Um, but in Paul's letters, we can piece together what happens with Peter. So Paul famously or infamously um, says in the letter to the Galatians that Peter was in Antioch, which at the time was in Syria. Now it's in Turkey. It's right on the border, actually, between the two countries. But uh, but at that time, it was the hub for Gentile Christianity and um, Paul's hub. But Peter went there, too, it seems. So, And that's where they have this disagreement um, about, you know, how to treat Gentile believers and so on. Anyway, so we go to Antioch and um, experience that there, and, and, and that's amazing. And then in Peter's uh, first letter, um, he, right at the beginning there at the introduction, he addresses it to several churches that are scattered through what is today Turkey, modern Turkey. And so we actually go through the center of Turkey through to the other end. We spend some time in Cappadocia, go on a hot air balloon. It's unbelievable, these rock formations. Did you have any trouble in Turkey at all getting around? No, no, we have no no trouble at all in Turkey. Yeah, I felt very safe. People are just wonderful. I was you know, surprised when I first went to Turkey, you know, I think it has a, a bad perception here in the States. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, you know, I'm sure, especially on the Syrian border, things can be dangerous, but most of Turkey is very safe and, and very friendly. Well, so we also went to Istanbul, which is uh, modern day. It's it's the region of Bithynia, which is addressed in the letter. And then finally, we end up in Rome, where Peter um, spends the last 10 or 15 years of his life and is executed under Emperor Nero. As we wrap up, Con, just uh, are you thinking, can you think of a moment in Peter's life or a verse of scripture to leave with us that just kind of encapsulates uh, Peter and, and what we learn from this man? Well, one of the things that I've always been struck by from Peter's first letter is that we are chosen sojourners, which is from verse uh, verses 1 and 2, chosen by God to belong to him, but sojourning through this world. This world's not our home, but the next world is our home. And uh, Peter lived that out. You know, he left the comfort of Israel, where he was really the leader of the church in Jerusalem for, for a number of years, and traversed this foreign Roman Empire, sharing the good news of Jesus, and with this expectation that heaven is near, the end is near. And, and for me, that's the mature Peter, and that's uh, the Peter that influences me the most. Our guest has been Dr. Con Campbell of Trinity Evangelical Divinity School and the host of the new docu-series from Our Daily Bread, In Pursuit of Peter. We'll place additional informational links on the DVD series on our website, firstpersoninterview.com. Also, if you'd like to comment on this program or others in our series here on First Person, please make use of our Facebook page. It's easy to find at facebook.com slash firstpersoninterview. Each week, this program is made possible with the support of the Far East Broadcasting Company, who loves to have God's Word taught on the radio. That's what FABC does in nearly 50 countries of the world through radio and the Internet. Please consider what you can do to support FABC, including the building of a new powerful radio station reaching North Korea. Go to firstpersoninterview.com. 
Now, with thanks to my friend and producer Joe Carlson, I'm Wayne Shepard. Join us next time for First Person. First Person.